Welcome to Inside College Admission, a series of podcasts where we talk about issues that relate to the college-going process. My name is Peter Van Buskirk, and I'm joined today by Maura McKinnon, who is college advisor at the Berwick Academy up in Maine. How are you today, Maura? I'm doing very well, Peter. How are you? Oh, it's summertime, and it's a good time. So it's it's a, also a good time to be talking about some things that are on the minds of, of young people as they start to think about their college applications. And, and one of the big points of interest this year and and for many years now has been testing and particularly test optional admission. And I'd like to to kind of approach it from a number of different angles today, but in particular, let's just kind of take a step back and and reflect, if we can for a moment, on on the beginnings of test optional admission. Now, you're up in Maine. You're near the site of the original test optional school. What can you share with us about how things got started? That's right. We are uh, forerunners up here in Maine with the test optional movement, and three of our prominent liberal arts colleges, Bates, Bowdoin, and Colby, are all test optional here. It started with Bowdoin way back in the day, uh, realizing that they could make great decisions about the students to admit to their community without the use of standardized testing. Bowdoin's a small college. They really care about um, academic inquiry and intellectual curiosity. And those aren't necessarily things that get measured by standardized test scores. So they made a decision many, many years ago, I think 30 years or more at this point. Closer to to, 40, actually, yeah. Okay, uh, that they were going to start reviewing students without requiring test scores. And one of the things that they did to make sure that that was a good decision was to create a long-term study, looking at the students they admitted with scores and without scores and tracking their success through their time at Bowdoin, graduation rates, average GPA, those sorts of measurements. What they found was that there was no distinguishable difference between students that were admitted with test scores being considered uh, versus the students that were admitted having not submitted any test scores. And because of that study and that data, they moved forward and they've been test optional ever since. They have also done a really great job of being resources for colleges who are interested in going test optional and explaining how they make decisions and the proper way to examine an applicant without uh, the standardized test being a huge factor in that decision. So it's been really successful for Bowdoin and um, you know, a model for lots of other colleges out there. And I think it's really given students great options to consider what values of their own record that they want to share with the college and have considered in their application. And they've never looked back. I'm curious, as, as you were getting started in your own career with college advising uh, and this, this whole concept of test option appeared on your radar, what were your reactions initially? Were, you, were your thoughts like, oh, this is kind of crazy, it can never work, it won't last? Obviously it, it has, but I'm just curious to know how, how you initially responded to it. Honestly, one of my thoughts was I wish that this had been around when I was applying to college. Uh, You know, I I was a hard worker in school and I did well and I succeeded in my classes academically, but I'm not a great standardized test taker and I didn't feel fantastic about my test scores. And so I really appreciated that there were colleges out there saying we value other things besides this number from four hours on a Saturday morning. I also really felt like it gave my students options, you know, the, the students that are really intellectual kids and do incredibly well in class and contribute to the academic community, but that's not necessarily measured in test scores. It gives them a college environment that says, we value what you bring and we don't need those scores as a measurement of your intelligence, which we all know they are not. Sure. 
Well, exactly. Now, over the last 30 to 40 years, the number of test optional schools has grown from the original three in Maine to a larger number. And, and when I was at Franklin and Marshall College back in the late 1980s, we experimented with test option and, and never looked back either. I'd like to kind of keep the conversation first as a pre-COVID conversation. But in general, as, as you work with each new group of college-bound students and their questions about tests and test submission, how do you advise students as they look at schools that clearly present a test option? It's tricky for some students because when they're considering a test optional school, they think, okay, well, where are my scores on that line? And is it smart for me to submit my scores? Is it going to improve my chances, make no difference or hurt my chances if a college sees that I have these scores? So we really talk to the students, not just about where do your scores fall in their range and, you know, are you in the mid 50% or above the mid 50%, but also are these scores something that you feel reflects your ability and what you can bring to a college? Are these scores basically something that you're proud of and that you want considered? We don't want students to have kind of buyer's remorse later on of saying, oh, if only I had not submitted my scores or if only I had submitted my scores. So we really try to talk to them about their own ethics and values and how those scores are a part of that. Then, you know, there's also the nitty gritty of looking at the data and looking at the specifics of a college that's recently test optional, which means that their average SAT scores or ACT scores are probably going to continue to rise pretty dramatically in the, the few years after they go test optional. Or if it's a school that's been test optional for quite a while, then you, you have more of a sense of how those scores are going to play out in the process. Well, it's interesting too, as, as kids look at the range of scores that are presented by colleges for the students who just enrolled, and they try to project themselves into that range. Some schools will eliminate completely from any reporting scores that were part of the student's profile who applied as a test optional student. Uh, and other schools will say, okay, you were test optional, but now you've been accepted. Now you've been enrolled. We wanna see your scores. We're gonna put them in our profile. So it, it is kind of hard sometimes to, to look at, at that, that range of scores and get a good sense of where students fit. Have, have you found over the years, any of your students had any real benefit to applying test option that, that you can tell? I think the students that benefit the most are the students where they are academic high flyers in terms of GPA and the rigor of their classes. My school, we don't emphasize test scores. We don't do a lot of standardized testing. It's not a method that we use to assess our students. And as a result, they're not used to taking standardized tests. So they do very well in our classes, which are all college preparatory, and they're going to do very well in college, but standardized tests may not be their skill set. And for those students, it really does help to be looking at test optional schools because they can demonstrate all of the ways that they're ready to succeed at a really high level in college. And that can come through their writing abilities and the essay that can come through presentation of the work that they've done and the teacher recommendations. But the scores not being a factor in that can be really helpful for them because it's just not something that we feel like our students should spend a lot of time practicing. Quite honestly, we'd rather that they are leaders and, and participants in the community and doing well in their classes and not wasting a ton of time on test preparation. Well, and this, as you alluded to it earlier, speaks to the, the value of holistic admission where an admission committee will be looking at it more than just a number. Uh, I, I do remember in our pre-test option days, and this is a long time ago, we would see students who 
would be very interesting to us. And we think, okay, let's, let's admit this. Oh goodness. Uh, what will her score do to our profile if we admit it? So, and all of a sudden what seemed to be an exciting situation, a promising situation, maybe turns to the wait list because of the number. And now some of those students who have accrued a really great resume with, with extracurriculars and, and leadership and academics can put those things first and foremost into the presentation. Are you surprised then that um, test option uh, interest has grown as it has among colleges? Because uh, I think back in the day, from a college perspective, before we went test optional, we were cynical. Yeah, but it won't last, but, but we tried it at work. Are you surprised that it's grown as it is? Because prior to COVID, there are up to a thousand colleges and universities that are test optional in some way. I'm not surprised. I think part of it is the, the good hearts of our colleagues in admissions who really do want to give a chance and a, and a place in their community to students that are outstanding human beings, regardless of a test score. And so I do think that for a lot of colleges, it's liberating to not be in that position of finding that exciting candidate like you were describing, and then saying, alas, we can't because you know, and a lot of this has to do with U.S. News and World Report and what's the impact going to be on our ranking if we admit students with lower test scores, which is a whole other podcast we could go on forever. Uh, but I think also and it, there is a little bit of cynicism to it, right? You, we know that when a school goes test optional, it gives a boost to their applicant pools and they tend to have a higher number of students applying once that barrier is dropped. So I think a lot of it has to do with our colleagues in admissions wanting to give the best students, the best chance to succeed. And some of it is definitely still part of the data-driven um, component of our profession. So it doesn't surprise me at all. And I think another piece of it is that going test optional tends to also increase the number of underrepresented students that will be more confident applying to your college if there's not a test requirement. So you're gonna get students that are from more diverse socioeconomic, racial and ethnic backgrounds if you're a test optional school and hopefully providing more opportunities for those students that wouldn't necessarily have them. Well, exactly. Now, schools have gone test optional. I think that many of the schools that have added standardized testing in their algorithms for admission uh, have effectively used them as filters to kind of eliminate a certain group of students before they really get into the more holistic approach. Mm -hmm. uh, now that they've maybe eliminated that filter that forces them to, to consider other aspects of the credential. I know that at Franklin and Marshall, we would insist that students who are test optional submit two graded writing samples in place of the test. Have, what kind of interesting alternatives to, to test submission have you found? The additional writing is the most typical that we've seen, although that seems to have been going away in the last few years because I have not had as many panic seniors coming in and saying, oh my gosh, I didn't save any of my graded writing from junior year and now what do I do? Mm -hmm. um, although it's still, there definitely is, are some schools that still use that. I've also seen requests for an additional letter of recommendation. I've seen requests not for writing samples from previous work, but please respond to a prompt that we're asking you to address in terms of, you know, if you're not submitting test scores, what do you feel is the most important consideration? There are also some schools that are opening up opportunities for students to submit short videos and to talk about something that they want the college to know in addition to their tests. And, and by short, I mean, you know, a couple of minutes, nothing super long or, or hyper-produced but it's giving students a way to think about what is important to them and what they want colleges to know about them 
in a way that gives them more ownership and gives them a little more control over how they're being viewed in the process. Does that seem to be appealing to the kids? It does. As much as it gives them a, a little bit more work to do, I see students getting really excited when colleges have a creative supplemental question or a creative, insightful prompt for students to respond to that's not just the tell us what you want to be when you grow up kind of question. And I think students see that as a college genuinely wanting to get to know them and to be more holistic in their appreciation of each of their applicants. It, it gives a little bit more humanity to the process for the students. Yet there've got to be some lingering thoughts in the minds of the students or the parents that, well, if I don't send in my test results, they're just gonna assume they're low and they're gonna knock me out of the competition. How do you deal with that conversation? I have benefited in part by being near Bowdoin and, and having a really great liberal arts college that I can point to and say, these guys have been doing it this way forever and they haven't changed and they really do mean it. Uh, and that's really helpful. I've benefited from talking with deans of admissions at test optional schools who have said, you know, this, as you mentioned, some of those schools after you're admitted say, okay, now we want to see your test score so that we can conduct this, this data tracking. And what they have found is that there are lots and lots of kids who don't submit test scores who have perfect or near perfect SATs and ACTs, and they just didn't want that to be right. the way they were judged. Those so you nuts, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, so you can't make an assumption about why a student isn't sending a score because we know from the students that submit the scores after they've been admitted that some of them knock it out of the park, and it's just not not a value that they want to put forth. So you know, being able to say that to to parents and to say that the colleges really are not making any assumptions about this is really helpful, especially with the way that our school runs and, and a lot of independent schools I think run where our values are not on standardized test scores. Um, we're, I'm working with a lot of families who come in understanding that test scores are not a reflection of intelligence and they're not as attached to their test scores as um, some other people are. And, and I really love that about our families. Uh, and it's interesting too, I will hark back to my experience. Once we became test optional, it was liberating in the admission office to be Absolutely. able to consider those students who were at one time exciting, but then excluded because of test. Uh, remarkable success stories came out of the test option. And, and looking back, they happened to be kids with a low score or a low combined score. So um, I, I think that the, my experience was a pretty cool experience. Sounds like that yours has been that as well. I, I have sympathy for our colleagues that work at institutions that are dealing with 60, 70, 80,000 applications. It makes sense that they need some sort of a, a floor to start. And it makes sense that the test scores can become that for them. So I don't hold it against them at all. I just think, um, you know, that the benefits of being able to just admit the kids you love and not worry about the impact on your data set is really great. But speaking of those schools that have 50, 60,000 applications, many of them went test optional because of COVID. They did. Uh, and and it, it rocked their world in a big way too. <laughs> uh, were you surprised that uh, so many schools, I mean, a 60% increase in the number of test optional schools in the course of 12 months. Yeah. Uh, and most of them were among the highly selective schools. Are you surprised by that? I wasn't surprised because I think there was so much turmoil going on and colleges looked at the lay of the land and realized we're going to shut out 
hundreds of thousands of kids who just absolutely cannot get a test because of COVID. And we will lose all of those kids in our applicant pool if we continue to require this. I mean, the entire state of California was shut down when these kids were trying to take SATs and ACTs. You can't lose all your applicants from California. That would be bad. Uh, so it didn't surprise me at all, but I was incredibly grateful that the schools saw that happening, realized, made the decision and, and made the announcements as quickly as they did, because it took a lot of pressure off our kids. It took a lot of pressure off of us as the people who administer the tests at our school. And so it was really helpful. Uh, I wish more of them honestly had just gone test uh, refusal and, and just not had tests at all, because I think that would have been a little more clear cut for nervous families. Uh, but I also understand that that may that would have been a huge shift for all of them to do so you know walking that middle path i guess makes makes sense under the circumstances well it's interesting to hear the deans of admission at those schools speak of their experience from the last year yes they they saw increases in application of 20 to 30 to 40 percent completely unruly the kind of applicant numbers they, they were generated because of this yet it seems that we we're going to look at another cycle where most of those schools will continue with what they'll call the test optional or test blind experiment. Mm -hmm. And in fact, one of the deans had confided, he said in all of his experience, uh, schools that have gone test optional on an experimental basis never go back. How do you see this developing? Do you, do you think there's going to be a return to a strong testing environment? Or do you think this is sort of like the dam breaking loose with regard to tests becoming less and less a factor in the admission process? I think that it's going to create a bit of a schism, honestly. Uh, and some of that is between the size of the institution and the, the work that goes into evaluating students without test scores. I think some of it is geographic. You know, you know that University of Florida required tests throughout the whole thing, the entire state system. They, they never went test-free or, or test-optional. And there are a couple of, of state systems in the South that have since announced that they will be going back. So the entire University of Georgia system, for example, is going to go back to requiring tests in the upcoming cycle. On the flip side, you've got the University of California system and um, California state system that's been ordered to be test-free for and to have no tests at all. And we know, you know, historically, as the UC system goes, so goes a lot of the rest of the country. So it'll be really interesting to see the, the ramifications of that lawsuit out in California and the order to be um, test-free over the next several years at UC. Originally, UC said they're going to look into developing their own test for their own system. I really hope that doesn't happen because it'll just put burdens on kids that want to apply to the UCs and also to other institutions. And now they'll be taking multiple tests. So I'm hoping it doesn't really go that way. But the, the people I've talked to in admissions and, and friends and colleagues on the admissions side, most of them who went test optional have said, we've been trying to do this for a long time and convince our board of trustees that, that the sky will not fall if we go test optional. And you know, a silver lining of COVID was providing us the opportunity to prove that. So I don't see a lot of the small to mid-sized colleges mm -hmm. ever going back. I don't think they want to. I don't think it's going to benefit them in their applicant pool. But I do think there may be some political ramifications at state systems and larger universities where they don't have as much kind of internal control over those decisions. Uh, you've you've uh, mentioned test-free, and I, I'd like to make sure that we have some clarification of terms. Uh, there's a, a test optional, a test-free, and we've also heard about test-blind in the admission process. Can you offer a distinction between the three? 
Yeah, absolutely. So test optional means if you have a test score and you like it and you think that it will be a benefit to you to submit that test score, whether that's an SAT or an ACT, then go ahead and send it to us and we will consider that as part of your application but we're not going to require you to do that. So if you either don't have a test score or you don't like your test scores, then you don't need to submit those. Um, and, and on that note, actually, I have a couple of students who are, <laughs> they just don't believe in standardized tests and they've just decided not to take them at all. And uh, they're rising seniors who just are skipping the whole thing and will be going, you know, their, their entire college list will be test optional schools. Test free and test blind, actually, um, I would consider the same thing. Although I had a friend say, don't use test blind, let's use test free because blindness has a sort of disabilities aspect to it and test free is just, you're liberated, uh, which is, I, I like test free. Yeah. Uh, and what that means is the college won't consider a test score even if you sent it. They're gonna block it out in the um, application. They're not going to download your scores from the college board or from ACT and they're not gonna look at a score at any point in the process. And uh, actually that just a couple of days ago, Pitzer College out in California, which is part of the Claremont Colleges, announced that they are going from test optional to test free um, with the upcoming class and they will not be considering any test scores at all. So I think that's really interesting. Um, there are not many colleges out there that are doing that. And I'm interested to see if that catches on now that all of these colleges have had a chance to evaluate students without tests. With so many schools now becoming test optional and or test free, it seems that, that students need to be more mindful as they enter the process and start to take tests and have scores sent to institutions. You probably know where I'm going with this, but the, what do our listeners need to know about score choice as it relates to test optional admission? Score choice is tricky. <laughs> so score choice, and uh, you know, as you go to send your test scores, you know, so we'll use the SAT as the example. There are some colleges that will say, that uh, we're, we don't require scores, send them if you want, don't send them if you don't want, it's all fine. There are some colleges that say, we don't require scores, but if you have them, we want them. And there are some schools that say, not only do we want to see scores from you, we want to see every score you took on anything all the time. And so that gives a student less control. It gives them I think it should give them pause over taking the SAT or the ACT a zillion times because it's not necessarily going to benefit you when a college wants to see every single score if they know that you've taken it three, four, five times. But, but Maura, yeah. the colleges that, that want to see all the scores, they're really a small minority though, aren't they? Yes, uh, absolutely. And with score choice, aren't we establishing that the student is the owner of the score? Yes. So that, that's the conundrum, isn't it? I mean, students yes. theoretically should be able to withhold the scores and send only the information they want to have seen right. with respect to schools. And one of the, the conundrums here is, of course, that some of the schools are saying, nope, you've got to send it all. And that introduces a moral or ethical dilemma. <laughs> but a lot of times kids, is, I don't know what your experience is, but seem to approach the registration process. On the registration for the SAT, you can identify up to four schools that would receive your results free of charge and mm -hmm. all that nervous energy that kids are exhibiting as they start the testing. Uh, say, okay, what are my top four choices? And, and, and they write in their top four and then all of a sudden the cat's out of the bag, regardless of what the scores are. Right. So that's, that's a bit of a, as I say, a conundrum for kids in this process. 
It is. We tell all of our students not to send the scores anywhere until you've seen them and you decide if you want them to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's regardless of, of whether your schools are test optional or require tests. Um, you know, take all the tests you're going to take and then decide what you're going to send. Absolutely with you with the moral conundrum of we want to see it all. Well, these are my scores. So what do I do about that? And it's tricky, but you're right. It's a, it's a small number of schools that require that. I do think that for students that are worried about the fees and you know wanting to take advantage of those four free score reports, you can talk to your guidance counselor and see if you qualify for a fee waiver and see if you can use the fee waivers to cover the cost of taking the test and also sending the scores. And that can be really helpful. But ultimately, I think it, it's, it's worth it if you can hold off and, and pay the, the send fees later to really see every score you've got particularly for students that might try out both the SAT and the ACT, and they want to see which one is a better test for them before anything goes out. That's, that's great advice. That's great advice. Uh, and again, the, the whole testing scenario is, is something that is fraught with anxiety and insecurity, uh, and what do I need to do to get in? And I think that you, you described well what students need to do it in, in, in order to find some comfort, just to step back and make sure that they can take control of, of what they're doing and, and who gets to see what, et cetera. A quick question as we wrap things up, looking into the future, how long do you think the testing environment that we have known for the last 50 years, how long do you think that's going to continue to exist? I think it's already crumbling as we speak. Crumbling as we speak, okay. Yeah, I do. I, I think that there have been so many ways in which colleges, independent researchers, you know, school counselors, parents, families, kids have been able to demonstrate the inequities of the testing system that the kids who can afford it, the kids who have access to it can test prep till the cows come home and drive up those scores and then use those and submit those. Whereas the kids that don't have not only the money to pay for test prep, but the time in their day to spend on test prep are really impacted in a negative way. And colleges are becoming much more aware of how that is creating an economic and socioeconomic divide for their applicants. And, you know, again, back to the goodness of the hearts of our colleagues in admissions, they really are looking at access and and issues of um, justice and parity and how their decisions are creating an education gap in the country. And so I think there's a real motivation to start to break down those barriers and testing is a relatively easy one to break down. Um, it's a it's a good starting point, but I also think that a lot of students have realized that you know in COVID world they're reprioritizing how they want to spend their time and they're reprioritizing what an education is going to mean to them and they're not as interested. You know, I've I've never had students come into the start of their college search and say, "Is there a way for me to just not take tests at all?" And it's happened several times this year, and I don't think that's going to change. And I have had more and more students this year who said, yeah, I took it, but I don't like it and I don't want to send it and I'm not going to. And I'm sure that the college board and the ACT are freaking out about that because that's their income bottom line. Um, but I, I think that there's going to be a huge shift in the landscape and I don't see us ever going back to all the colleges requiring all the tests. Well, there's a big cheer that goes up right now from all of those who have any kind of anxiety or apprehension about testing. Uh, and I think that you know, perhaps bottom line for young people who are, are taking this in is that tests are still a part of the process for institutions, specifically state universities, but there's much greater latitude to present yourself without tests and fairly and successfully without tests. So 
Maura, this has been great. I've, I've really appreciated your perspective on the whole test optional situation. Your history with it personally has added an awful lot of depth to our understanding as well. But uh, thank you. And, and, and hopefully for those of you who are listening, the information you're taking away today will enable you to testing in perspective. Don't let it run your life as you become a college applicant. So thank you again, Maura. I hope that uh, you have a great summer and we'll look forward to further conversations with Inside College Admission in the future. Thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Always. Take care. Thank you.